we, we know on average it takes 52 visitors to our website to generate an inquiry. Um, and we know it's sort of every two, two and a half inquiries results in a show round and every two, two and a half to three show rounds results in a booking. So kind of from that, you can you can really see the pipeline very clearly um, that, that we need, I think it's about 450 people to visit our website equals a booking. So you can really kind of monitor the flow and, and sort of see how, it, how it's working on that front. Hello, uh, welcome to episode three of On The Same Landing Page. I'm Jason, the Marketing Manager at Web Presence, and I'm joined by co-hosts Paul and Astra. Guys, would you like to introduce yourselves? Hello, I'm Astra, I'm the Advertising Manager here. Hi, and I'm Paul, I'm one of the directors here. So we're a web and marketing agency based in Macclesfield, and we help businesses grow with inbound marketing. Today we're joined by Adrian Spencer, the director from Hanbury Wedding Barn, to talk about how the real-life impacts of paid advertising affect small and medium-sized businesses. Uh, Adrian isn't your typical director, and without a formal marketing background, he really knows his stuff. Uh, before joining Hanbury Wedding Barn as a director in 2018, Adrian owned a wedding photography business for over 14 years and managed to rank position one for his keywords solely through his own search engine optimization. Um, we've invited Adrian to talk today about some of the marketing successes and failures along the way so that our listeners can learn from his mistakes and pick up some useful tips for where to invest when it comes to growing your business. So without further ado, let's move on to the first segment of the day, 10 minutes with the director, with our guest, Adrian Spencer. Um, I've covered a little bit about your experience and your current position, uh, Adrian, but do you want to give us kind of like an overview of your day to day um, and also your involvement with the marketing there? Absolutely, and thank you for having me on. Um, so I think as, as any sort of new new business owner sort of finds that there's sort of a, a man of many hats on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, everything from kind of bar pricing to wedding fairs to actually sort of being a wedding coordinator and, and delivering a wedding. And I think that level of involvement in every facet of the business is invaluable because it really gives you a sense of kind of what's going on and, and what you, your customers are experiencing. Um, really, though, my primary day-to-day -day focus is on marketing the barns and sort of the, the journey of couples from first discovering us to that inquiry, to the show round, to the booking. That's really on a day-to-day on -day basis where I spend my, most of my time and, and energies. Awesome. Um, and what's, what have you found? We'll, we'll obviously cover it off um, over the time you've been there, but what have you found has sort of worked the best in terms of advertising? If you were to just keep one part of your advertising... Um, and promotion of your business, what would it be? I, I think the numbers speak for themselves. That the, the Google paid advertising um, has been invaluable to us. Um, as a new business, you know, you've got this wonderful sort of product. We've got this this great thing that we've all worked so hard on as a family and and sort of all believe in. And you want to get it out there, and you want to get it in front of people. Really, Google advertising is uh, an easy lever to pull um, to get that that kind of energy uh, to get that information out there albeit not a cheap one, mm -hmm. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> it might be worth, as uh, before we go into that and what kind of advertising you do, if, uh, for Astrid, if you wanted to kind of give us a, a very quick overview of what kind of Google advertising covers and, and what is included within that. Yeah, so in its most basic form, Google Ads uh, works on 
search results. So one of the most common types of campaign that business owners use is search campaigns. So based on keywords that users enter into the search browser, their adverts will display either at the top or the bottom of the page, depending on a number of factors. Each click costs them money, obviously, and goes through to either a website or a dedicated landing page and ultimately drives traffic to a website in its broadest form, but we can optimise different algorithms and machine learning to encourage valuable actions on the website. So in Adrian's case, we can drive people to check out the availability calendar, book dates, inquire about weddings, etc, etc. Okay. Um, I, just from my experience of it, what we, we typically use Google Ads um, as a good starting place because it's the, as you say, it's like the most bottom of the funnel kind of uh, people are already ready with intent-based searches. Mm -hmm. And it's a great place to prove advertising works and prove the success of having some good copy, uh, a clear uh, course of action that can lead you to generate new leads. And then we kind of work backwards up the funnel from there to try and generate an inbound marketing mm -hmm. campaign. Um, what about you? Sorry, go. No, I was, just, I was agreeing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about, um, Adrian, your journey on this? How did you start? getting into the different types of marketing and what can you talk me through like what if there's any kind of key learnings you had along that process yeah absolutely i mean as, as with all these things there's a, a lot of trial and error at the start um we we began from a marketing point of view we really took lessons from my wedding photography business um that actually sent us straight away down the wrong path that as a wedding photographer uh, Facebook was by far my most useful advertising source. It was a pretty much guaranteed return. You could pump money in and sort of churn weddings out. We then carry that onto the wedding barns, but I don't know whether this is a reflection of the, the, the change of, of Facebook's kind of position in the market, um, or if it just doesn't work as well for, for a wedding venue. Um, it just wasn't cost effective. Um, way back at the start of 2018, we put a lot, lot of money into Facebook advertising. It really got us nowhere. So at that point, we then started experimenting. Um, as a wedding photographer, I didn't find Google advertising be particularly cost-effective because there's so many competitors in the market and your return on investment is nowhere near as good. Whereas a wedding venue, it's proven to be absolutely invaluable. Um, we, we sort of started it in-house um, in a kind of what, what we lacked in experience, we made up in an enthusiasm sort of way um, and kind of muddled along and, and were reasonably successful. But then when we kind of turned it over to an agency that really kind of knew what they were doing is when we really saw the great results um, from that advertising spend. Um, wider than that, though, you, you, you want to sort of, we try and be as diverse as we can in our marketing. So obviously we do still maintain a presence on Facebook, a presence on Instagram. Um, as well as kind of wider sort of uh, bridal sites, places like Hitched and Bridebook. Um, but really, when it comes down to it, it is the Google AdWords that really, really drives our business. And what was the um, journey for the user uh, when you when you were the, with the wedding photographer? What kind of what were you trying to get them to do? And how does that compare with what you're trying to get them to do now? I, where they go from the advert to, to your website, what kind of actions are you asking of them? The principles are the same, but unlike, oh, let, let's say you're searching for something uh, that you, you're looking for a specific product, you see an, uh, an advert, it takes you to Amazon, you buy the products, done. That's their sort of end of the transaction. As a wedding photographer and a wedding venue, the purchase isn't that immediate. So really with the advert, you're trying to get people to engage with your website, see what you can do and what you can offer. And then you sort of try to entice them to inquire at that point. So really it's the first kind of step towards a sale rather than taking you directly to a sale 
Um, so really our, our kind of flow for, for, for couples is that they'll discover us, they'll hopefully come to the website, really like what they see, they'll inquire, then they'll come for a show round, which is sort of the second major step where we'll discuss things in a lot more detail, and then that will hopefully transition onto a booking. Mm -hmm. um, and in, in say, compared to wedding photography, it's wedding photography was a simpler process, but a similar one. Okay. And uh, what do you um, like? Do you do any Facebook advertising still now? On even though it hasn't been as successful as the Google ads, are you running any like retargeting or anything like that? We, we're just having a play with Instagram at the moment. We're just okay. we're just sort of dipping our toe in the water and, and just seeing how it, how it works out for us at the moment. And uh, I, I keep sort of glancing at TikTok and going, hmm, maybe yeah. is that could that be? Is that? I mean, I'm maybe getting a bit past it now, but all the kids <laughs> seem to be on there. Um, so it, I, I just think there's the, a huge amount of experimentation to be done uh, and finding out what works and what's cost effective. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think as long as you're experimenting, you'll be doing okay, and that seems to be something that you're like quite clear on. I think the other point that you brought up a lot there was about cost effectiveness. Knowing where the kind of break-even point is is so important, right? Because it can be very easy um, to see all of the eyeballs you're getting, all of the impressions you're getting, and the clicks, and just feel good about that because it feels kind of good that people are like, engaging with your website. But then if you, yeah. if, if it's at the cost that you know after you've margins of paying for staff to kind of fund these weddings and everything it's and it doesn't pay off then eventually you're gonna you're gonna hit a wall aren't you with that i think oh no absolutely and that's one of the metrics that, that we follow very closely um like we we know on average it takes 52 visitors to our website to generate an inquiry um and we know it's sort of every two two and a half inquiries results in a show round and every two two and a half to three show rounds results in a booking so kind of from that you can you can really see the pipeline very clearly um, that that we need, I think it's about 450 people to visit our website equals a booking. So you can really kind of monitor the flow and, and sort of see how, it, how it's working on that front. That's so important. All of those numbers you just pulled out because that's, um, you know, when we, when you, when you're comparing multiple things and you're running experiments, it's easy for us because we talk about them all day to kind of glance over. You, you just pull those off the top of your head. I, I that's exceptional I think I don't think most people can can do that in the business so if, you, if that, that knowledge enables the experiments enables the trial of different channels because you you can take all the opinions out of it the no egos need to come in it's is this better or worse than our like baseline yeah. performance I love that I think that's really good to have to have it so so easy to hand while we're on yeah. experiments um as someone who advertised on Facebook Instagram previous to iOS 14 and saw limited results and someone who's just begun advertising again, have you noticed a shift in any of the metrics? I know it's still early days for you. Not, not yet. No, mm -hmm. it, it seems, it seems very good. Uh, I, I suppose it's the difference in the nature of the advertising. Mm -hmm. Instagram seems brilliant at getting your advert in front of lots of people. Yeah. Fantastic. But they're kind of the, 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 the flow through the pipe in terms of people that actually click on the advert, that engage and then inquire seems far less. And I personally think that's down to the fact that when Google delivers an advert, people are looking for a wedding venue. Yeah. They, that, that is why they're in front of their computer. Whereas when somebody's browsing Instagram, they want to see what the friend had for tea. Oh, there's a wedding venue. Nah, not interested now. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that slightly more passive approach to delivering the adverts is responsible for that slightly less um, worthwhile engagement that you see in their advertising. 
Yeah, and I guess in terms of your customers, there's a specific window in there, if you like to call it a marriage journey, where they're actually <laughs> looking for a venue. You know, there's sort of like yeah. a four-week window where they're like, okay, I'm really looking now, as opposed to yeah. if they've already yeah. decided they're not even going to click on your ad kind of thing. Unless they're planning on getting married Absolutely. twice, which maybe happens, I don't know. <laughs> 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 I always tend to think that you, you Facebook and Instagram, and this isn't always true because retargeting is quite bottom of the funnel, but it's really good at educating people as to like, a different way of doing something that's been done before it's so it's one way you can say hey if you're thinking about this then you need to start thinking about it in this way in this sense and then start that journey but it's when they get to the google they've already been they've already done enough research and it's like that's where you're kind of yeah if you're just taking what taking someone that's already been qualified as, as someone who wants that product isn't it um that's why it can be quite um it's a good place to start, as, as I was saying at the beginning. I think it'd be interesting to know if you were to like, if your if your mate owns a business, Adrian, and he's um he's not sure about advertising in general. He just knows that there's a good chance that he could spend a lot of money and get nothing back, and he hasn't got loads of cash flow at the moment. What would your advice be to him about going about that process? My my advice at those those very early stages then will be to kind of leverage personal contacts um, to try and do things as as inexpensive and organically as possible. I mean, it, it's 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 hard to answer that without knowing really what sort of business they're in, if they're sort of mm-hmm. business to business or if it's more general. Um, but certainly as a wedding photographer, you, you started out with you sort of rely on your friends and shares and, and that kind of general very organic growth. Um, I also remember back in those days, early days as well, running things like competitions was was really effective. Um, a great way of sort of driving traffic to your page and, and getting people engaged with you. Um, moving on from that, that when, when things do get a bit more established, then yeah, I, I suppose my advice would be once you can afford it, to, to look at that kind of Google advertising because it, it is an outlay, but it does have a, a really good track record of giving very cost-effective returns. And to add to that, my my advice to your friend who's starting a business um, <laughs> would be to get in contact with with an agency. Um, I, I, t- I happen to work for one, um, and uh, and just get us to do some forecasting because it's with some very it's very easy to do some really basic forecasts to work out what your average cost per click would be for certain keywords to work out what kind of audiences you're working with if you know who your target audience are on Facebook and Instagram. And then you can just work backwards from perceived conversion numbers. It's very easy to do that little bit of work um, and then work out you know, what kind of budgets you might need before you can invest in worthwhile in, in these advertising. I think we um, actually are going to offer that to anyone listening to this podcast. If you would mm-hmm. like to, to go through that process um, with Astra, um, she will take you through. She'll basically ask you a few questions about the keywords you're looking for um, or looking to be found for. Um, when someone searches them and also what your target audience are and we can do that kind of that experiment for free um, so please let us know um, that was my little plug sorry shameless um, <laughs> can I ask a bit of a more wider question about how your industry is doing now um, as you as we start to recover from kind of the effects of the pandemic it's yeah <laughs> oh, uh, you, you know what all things considered very well um the the challenge we we were in a very unusual unusual position in march 2020 when this all sort of started happening we at that time were a very very new 
business. We actually did our first wedding in June 2019. Um, we had a big second um, tranche of construction uh, that all happened early 2020. Um, and then obviously things just shut down. Um, and that really put us into hibernation mode. I mean, I remember saying a few times, particularly during 2020, that the barns felt like a museum. They felt like something created to do something that will never happen there. It was, it was very peculiar. Um, we really survived that period on new bookings. Um, we, were, we were lucky in a way because we had flexibility. So all the couples, I think we had 65 weddings booked for 2020 originally. Um, and we were able to reschedule all those forward to, to 2021. And I think we've got a handful left for this year, but not many. The vast majority, we've now, you know, luckily enough been able to, couples have been able to have their wedding day. Um, what that has led to, though, is a backlog of couples wanting to get married um, who have just held off planning and, and quite understandably and quite rightly, but they've held off planning and committing deposits until they knew that their day it was going to go ahead. Um, the last thing they wanted to do was drop thousands of pounds on deposits on photographers and venues for those businesses to potentially go under. And, and you know, and several wedding venues did go under during the pandemic. Um, so as soon as things started to ease, so this was sort of June last year when we reached that peculiar stage where you could have unlimited numbers at weddings, but you couldn't dance indoors. That really opened the floodgates for us. And we had this, this huge rush of couples desperate to get married as soon as possible, desperate to get married in the next sort of six, eight months, whereas normally couples would be looking on a, like an 18 month, two year kind of time frame to plan the wedding. Um, even now, our kind of average booking time is, is all over the place that we, we, I was literally speaking to one couple this morning who wants to get married with us in March. Um, but equally, we've just taken bookings for 2025. So it, the really kind of the, the impact of, of, of COVID really has got put shockwaves through the entire industry. And I, I strongly suspect we probably won't level out, I, I think, for another year or two. Um, mm. it, it really will just keep echoing, I think. Um, and it's, it's, it's been great for us because it's meant we, we've sort of, as soon as we could, we really hit the ground running, um, which obviously has been wonderful for the cash flow. Um, but like I say, it's made forecasting and projecting much, much harder yeah. because like I say, it, it's just all the rules have, have gone out the window. How does that impact your strategic planning then? Like when, how do you, does it, has it impacted, impacted how you make decisions for investing in things like, well, like marketing and, and things like that? Absolutely. Yeah. So, 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 so the, the big thing we've always wanted at the Barnes was accommodation um and the the kind of the, the financial outlay for that just just even to get through the planning applications stages and things like that right from 2017 we knew it was going to be the, the kind of a, a cornerstone to, to the barn service offerings because so many couples want the ability to stay over at night um we had to put a pin in that and so many other projects um through 2020 and 2021 because we just weren't in a position to commit to investing that sort of capital until we knew that mm. the, the weddings were happening and that revenue was coming in. So we've had to put a lot of things on hold, a lot of things on hold. Gladly now they are by and large going forward, our, our accommodations under construction at the moment, all the major projects like the new sort of air conditioning and heating system is all in and completed. Um, but there, there's still a lot of things we want to do that we just, we just we let's pay for these and then we'll, <laughs> then, then we'll get the next ones done. And that's, that's so cool to hear because you. I think we we did actually our first podcast episode was around uncertainty, was the theme. Yeah. I think that that's what we. Everyone has a different challenge, but we're all. It's all all those challenges are brought in by the same thing that's happened to us all. 
it's always interesting to hear about you know the of all the things that have happened over the years like the air conditioning system still needs to go in <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not Absolutely. just big strategic stuff that you have to have challenges with no no uh, but it, it says all, all these jobs that we knew we wanted we knew would really add value to the barns but we just didn't commit to until we knew the the, the, the cash flow was secure. Mm -hmm. I suppose well, in that sense, you and uh, the couples that you're servicing are the same. They don't want to commit yeah. to their wedding until they know it's going ahead, as you can't commit to your air conditioning. So <laughs> you're all in it together. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so there's, a heating, there's an air conditioning company director saying the same thing to someone else, <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> you're not yeah. um, it's interesting. So you're doing, um, uh, your paid ads are working really well with Google Ads. You, you're playing around with Instagram. Is there anything else that you're... Um, any other channels that you're toying with? Um, it might be SEO, email, or anything else that you're thinking about over the next year? Yeah, so certainly SEO is the next big one. Um, we think that kind of, we, we certainly want to diversify our marketing. Um, as fantastic as Google Ads has been, you know, you, you look at the situation with Facebook and Apple, and mm -hmm. Apple make one change, and suddenly Facebook's marketing, you know, 10 billion wiped off Facebook's market capital. Um, seemingly overnight. So we're very conscious about being over-reliant on, on a single kind of advertising strand. Um, so diversification for us is, is the next step. Certainly the, the, the first stage of the journey I was discussing before, SEO um, is we think another big kind of string to that in terms of initially couples learning about our existence and taking that first step to engage with the website and learn about us. We also want to do a lot more kind of to help towards the second step, that conversion from kind of show around to inquiry and inquiry to booking, things like wedding fairs and, and kind of further investments actually in the barns themselves, just to really raise their, their sort of wow factor and profile um, when couples actually come and see us for the first time. Um, I, I think the temptation, the temptation of, of digital marketing is it's it's a lovely big easy to pull lever it, it's great because you can you can pull the lever and you can see immediate results mm -hmm. um i think you've got to remember at times to maybe look a little bit past that as well to the less obvious and less immediately gratifying sort of sources of marketing and, and give them some serious consideration yeah it's a form of um is it is the word residual income paul is that the right one where you can with with paid advertising you're always putting in a bit of effort to get a bit back but when you yeah. start looking at SEO, you, you can put in a lot of effort at the beginning and then you don't have to continually spend a pound to gain five or whatever it may be. It's like it will keep coming and it's it just it's just a bigger outlay at the beginning, isn't it? That causes Yeah, well, we, we, yeah. we pitch them as, as like an asset versus an expense. So Google Ads would fall in the expense column. So you, you put money in, money comes out, but then you do that for 10 years, turn off your ads, and everything stops like you you haven't actually moved the the business's web reputation on forward things like having strong social media channels full email list and a strong organic seo presence that's an asset that's something you can leverage to get value out of for a long time um i'm gonna go for i'm gonna ask you a question now adrian that is uh we ask everyone that comes on on the podcast um i'm gonna ask you if you had to order the following marketing channels in order of importance to you and your business, with the first being most important and the last one being the one you might get rid of, which order would you put them in? So I'm going to give you four and you tell me which one's kind of the most important. So we've got PPC, I'm got a guessing that might be up there. Uh, social media, which includes organic and paid, email marketing and SEO. For, for us at the moment, 
as, as like you said, you probably guess PPC mm -hmm. de definitely at the top for us. Yeah. Um, SEO, I'm hoping will become a close second, if not direct equal to that. At the moment, our experiments with social media, it it's great. It's great for people who already know you exist. Social media people that have already engaged with you, who've been to the barns, who maybe have already put the wedding with with us love the social media they can see what's happening at the bars they can see the weddings that are going on they could be in touch with, with ideas and questions um i still i'm yet to be convinced social media can ever really be for us a a, 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 a marketing tool for that that first step mm -hmm. that people learning of our existence step um personally i for us i put email marketing at the bottom mm. purely because as, as astra mentioned before that although we could potentially capture many people's email addresses, the actual useful window of an inquiry mm -hmm. is probably quite small. Mm -hmm. So, you know, something like 70% of all our couples book us within three weeks of inquiry. So within those three weeks, they will inquire, they will visit the barns, they'll have conversations and they'll go ahead and commit. I imagine that that trajectory is very similar for most wedding venues, which means after three or four weeks, most of our emails that we've captured that don't go on to bookers, they've probably already chosen another wedding venue. Yeah. So at that point, there's not really a lot of use for us to, to, to keep emailing them. Hey, look, we're still here and we're still brilliant because yeah. they'll have already made that decision. So certainly in terms of us engaging with, with couples that have booked or maybe former brides, absolutely email marketing. But in terms of actually attracting new business, I, I think I firmly put that at the bottom. And can we take actually just a quick break to celebrate PPC making Woo the top of the list there? Yes, you're the, um, the first guest we've had on the podcast who hasn't put it last, Adrian. So thankfully, you're single-handedly supporting my job here. So you can come again. That's help, Astra. Any, anytime. Anytime. <laughs> on, um, also, just a note, like it's so... It's really good to see someone who really understands every part of their sales funnel, their marketing funnel, how many weeks it takes, the percentage of people that then convert. It's, it's really kind of you don't you don't get come across that a, a lot. So it's quite it's good to good to speak to someone who has that much business knowledge about their about their company. Um, on on a scale of on that point, on a scale of one to ten, how confident are you in your current marketing strategy? If you've asked me three weeks ago, I would, I would have said eight. I would okay. say after everything that happened with Apple and Facebook, I'd probably say seven now. Okay, interesting. Uh, it, 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 it's my my worry is as as we move quite rightly, I feel towards more data protection. Mm -hmm. Could something could something happen to Google's advertising, paid advertising, where somebody somewhere makes a change, a change in the law, a change in policy, uh, and suddenly their main kind of of their their ability to deliver these adverts to potentially you know worthwhile customers is is neutered in some way um to that that's that's my kind of underlying worry at the moment mm -hmm. um it's already happened it's happened with with facebook and apple uh, i think it could potentially happen again maybe so that's really i'll be a lot more confident when we're a bit more diverse in our marketing um, so we're not utterly reliant. I mean, I would say we're utterly reliant on on paid advertising, but it's certainly the main plank in our marketing at the moment. Yeah. The um, we've gone away over on the first section, but it's just there's so much I could carry on talking to you about. But we're gonna, I think, we have to move on to the next uh, segment. Um, I desperately need to cough, um, so I'm gonna go on mute and I'm gonna ask either Paul or Astra to do fake facts <laughs> <laughs> while I do that. Paul, you are <coughs> introduce the segment, so I feel like you should take this one. 
I mean, it was just, okay, so with this segment, if you've seen eight out of 10 cats, it will make a lot of sense. Um, so we have three statistics that Jason's put together, I believe. Um, two of them are true, and one of them is a lie. Um, and it's up to us to figure out which one is the lie. So the three facts we have are, as of 2021, Google owns 92% of the global search market share. Number two is that SEO generates twice the number of visitors compared to PPC. And number three is on average in America, small and medium businesses invest between 3,000 and 4,000 on PPC each month. There are three stats. Ooh, that's difficult. That's so, so, okay, so Google owning 92% of the market share, that's one. SEO's mm -hmm. double the amount of traffic from PPC, that's two. Mm -hmm. And American businesses spending between three and four K a month on average. My, my issue with the first one is, well, actually it's probably got more of a question. Didn't Google leave the Chinese market? They are, yeah, they... they're not in the Chinese market anymore. And also I have another data fact that I think Yahoo owns seven. So that would only leave, if it did own 92%, that would leave 1% of the market share. So for for Bing, for I mean, Bing, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> and DuckDuckGo, don't forget about DuckDuckGo. Yeah, yeah, Jeeves, yeah. All of those uh, <laughs> other search engines are available, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think I think I think the first one is fake. Are you going with the first one? Yeah, I'm... that's my hat in the ring. Remember, you've my... got them. You've got to give me the one true one rather than the. Oh, there's one true one. Yeah, oh. Okay. oh wait, okay. Have I got this wrong? Ah, around? It's, there's yeah. only one true one, and there's two lies. That's right. Yeah. Ah. Oh, okay. Okay. I've, I've, see, this is why they don't let me introduce things. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so one of them is true. I see. Okay. SEO generates twice the number of visitors compared to uh, with, with with the prevalence of ad blocker. Mm. I could well believe that to be true. I, I could see that as true. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. we have some insight on this. So I, I would actually, because if you average out SEO, so that you're talking about the people who are on page two as well, mm -hmm. it, it might skew the figures, but I know a, a good ad will get between 5 and 10% of the click traffic. Mm -hmm. um, and number one organic result will be between 25 and 50% yeah. of the traffic. So I actually, I think that's a low estimate. So I, th I think that one's a lie. Oh. So it could, be, it could be like, because it's too low, right? Okay. Potentially. On average in America, small and medium businesses invest between three and four. I've got absolutely no... Yeah, I think that depends on the size of the, how they define a small and a medium business. We are, we're people for data. These are not, there's not enough numbers here for us. <laughs> yeah. So if you give me, everyone give me your, your final answer and then I'll blow your minds. Um... I think the true number. Okay. I am inclined to agree as well. Yeah, number two is true. Yeah, go on. I'll peer pressure in. Number two. So, <laughs> so everyone believes that SEO generates twice the number of visitors compared to PPC. According to a report in 2021 uh, from techjury.net, and we'll put this uh, link in the, in the notes, the show notes. Uh, it's actually the other way around. PPC generates twice the number of visitors compared to SEO. So that's a, that's, ah. a, that's a false, that's a fake fact, that one. The other fake fact uh, was that on average in America, small and medium businesses 
uh, invest between three and four K on PPC per month. It's actually closer to six between six and seven K a month that they invest. Um, which means wow. the first one is true, actually. The uh, as of twenty twenty one, Google owns ninety two percent of the global search market share. Wow! Oh, well done, Google. Wow. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I know. I was, I was going to say I didn't want to spoil it, but I've advertised on Bing, and it felt like about one percent of the market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. So the last segment um, of this of this uh, of this podcast is a strategy analogy, where we'll pull out a random word from a random word generator and try and link it back to some of the things we've covered in this podcast, or wi more widely, just marketing in general. Um, so I'm going to use this random word generator tool. I'm going to just find a single word noun, and the word we've got is writer. Does anyone have one out the gate for writer? I, I I have one. Okay. I have one. I'm going to go first just because I don't want anybody else to say the one I'm thinking of because I don't have a backup. Um, but so I, this, I'm in the process of talking to lots of people who are writing books right now. And there's a really good um, alignment analogy to marketing in that. I think a lot of people look at marketing and think of it as this kind of, Art, art slash science skill where you're either good at it or you're bad at it and i i personally feel the same about writers if they when they produce a book fiction non-fiction whatever it's just this impressive skill that i couldn't possibly do but what i've learned is that they are following a framework and set processes that are are very well known and taught um i think that's a perfect analogy to marketing actually solid processes um, and known ways of doing things is, is how you get the results, not yeah. just by being incredibly skilled out the gate. And all of those are based on how to keep and hold someone's attention in the same way as well, isn't it? Mm -hmm. oh, I like that's that. That's mine. Yeah. Very good. Um, that's going to be hard to follow, but mine is going to be, um, so when we put ads out, we obviously have to write them. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Let me get comfy for this one. This can be one of Jason's tenuous links. <laughs> no, that's it, mate. So you have to write okay. them. <laughs> so it's like writing because you have to write the ads. I think I have one based on placement. So when you're a writer, generally have one form that you're really good at or is your niche. You might try writing plays, you might try writing novels, you might try writing articles but you're not going to sell your novels in the foyer of the theatre. You sell your plays, right? So you've got to position your writing, or your ads in this case, in the correct market in order to get the biggest return on investment. Oh, I like it. I think that's Nice. No pressure, well, Adrian. <laughs> I, but I, I, I'm about to say, I'm, I'm flummoxed here now. Um, I, I, weirdly, I was, I was actually going to something similar, similar to your line, Astrid, that I suppose it doesn't matter how... how good you are as a writer if you don't you know market it properly if, if you don't get people to judge a book by its cover mm -hmm. then it'll never be read and yeah it's probably not just about how good you are at writing it's about how good you are at actually presenting your writing to the right people 
that, that is what counts, which is basically what you said, but not quite as eloquent. No, you're totally right. You, you two are the winners on that one. Know your audience. <laughs> I think, um, Aiden, if you don't mind, I'd like to invite you back to be the fourth co-host because all you've done is <laughs> my opinions. It's been great. <laughs> Just to add to that as well, though, there's, it's such a good point in terms of, do you know, we found that like very rarely, we, we put all this effort into making these like really good pieces of downloadable content which normally, you know, come up as ebooks, you know, which again lends to the writing aspect or white papers and whatnot. And sometimes they do a really good job of generating leads, which then turn into work. But so often they don't ever get opened. They get downloaded but never opened. If you actually track how many times people do kind of complete a lead form from Facebook and on the toilet perhaps, and then just never go back to their email and open it. But it doesn't matter because you kind of got the job done. It's almost like it doesn't really matter what the quality of that is. It's about how well you've promoted the the challenge and connected that to something that they need to solve. So, yeah, that's a, that was a really good, um, really good round. Apart from my one, which was quite half-assed, um, <laughs> as you can tell. <laughs> um, cool. Um, is there anything? Uh, I guess we'll just leave you, um, Adrian. If you've got um, a, a message or anything you want to talk about with regards to your business. Um, then here's your, here's your spot. Thank you. Uh, well, if anybody out there, I appreciate this probably isn't the place to market a wedding venue, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, if anybody out there is looking uh, for a wedding venue at the moment, uh, Hanbury Wedding Barn, we're based just outside of Burton-on-Trent. Um, the, the barns have been a, a huge family project, a huge labour of love for us all. Um, and yeah, please, please come down and check us out for a, a very relaxed, rustic, informal setting for, for hopefully an amazing wedding day. Awesome. Thank you, Adrian. And on our, on our behalf, um, if you are looking to can just look dip a toe in the water of advertising and would like a free um, forecasting session with myself um, and or Astra, then please just let, let us know, get in contact and we can look at your business, look at your keywords and your audience um, and help you just get an idea for what budgets you should be looking at. Um, uh, yeah okay well, that's that's great thank you so much for coming on Adrian you're brilliant absolute pleasure thank you for having me cheers guys thank, thank you, you. Well, bye bye